Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. James chapter 2, and uh, let's go there. James chapter number 2. It's where we're at. Uh, this, this whole journey in the book of James chapter 2 uh, completely started with me tackling and uh, trying to tackle uh, difficult passages uh, in the Bible. Uh, so if you have a difficult passage that you're like, Pastor, I would love to hear you. Is it, is it too loud out there, Brother John? It's just a little bit too loud. Back it off just a tad, but keep me here. And uh, James chapter 2, and uh, is that better? Okay, just want to make sure that you're not throwing song books at me when we get into it. So, um, James chapter 2. And if you'll look at this entire chapter, the verse that um, I was really going after, the, pas- the, the passage is in verse number 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Uh, yea, a, man's, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So as I was trying to tackle that difficult passage, then all of a sudden in order to understand any passage, and you back up and you give the context, and I have been enjoying James chapter 2. We were here in the auditorium talking about teen convention, and uh, there were two guys working on the booth up there. And uh, the one guy, I thought both of them spoke Spanish. Uh, so I, so they're kind of in the shadows up there, and I thought, man, both of them speak Spanish. We're down here talking about teen convention and just talking about the auditorium, the decorations, and different things of that nature. And this guy stops and he says, "Hey, pastor," and I was just kind of looked up and I was like, "Yes, sir." He goes, um, "I, I just want to let you know that whatever y'all are doing here at the church is making a difference in the community." And I looked up at him and I'm like. Wow, I thought you spoke Spanish. I didn't know you spoke English, and I didn't know you could. He said, no, I just want to let you know that whatever you're doing is making a difference. And I just wanted to stop and tell you all that. Coming out of the barber shop um, this week, um, a, 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 a lady stopped me, and she happened to be in there, and she stopped. She said, Pastor Gray, and I said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you tell the people of Emmanuel, uh, thank you. Uh, for being very kind to me and my family um, several weeks ago. How you and I conduct ourselves as believers is very important. And this is why James chapter 2 tells us what a church, what an assembly should be like. In James chapter 2 verse 1, and we're going to work our way down because we're going to uh, now go verse 10 through verse 13, but let's give it a little bit of review and a little bit of background. In James chapter 2 verse 1, he said, my brethren, have not this faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So now let's back all the way up and understand that the same faith that's being talked about in, in faith without works is dead. What it is saying is, this is the faith we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the chapter. So this faith without works is dead. A lot of times people look at this verse and they think to themselves, 
Well, see, I have to have works in order to prove that I'm saved. This faith without works, no works is required for your justification in the sight of God. The moment you get saved, you're justified, and, the, and you're given the Holy Spirit as the witness. So you have, don't have to do anything to prove to God that you're saved. He, he's not withholding. He, he's not going, well, you know, I'll, I'll see how serious you are in your Christian life, and then I'll decide to save you. No, once you trust Christ, you're saved, that, that you're born again. It's like you're looking at your children going, okay, I'll decide if you're mine based on how you live. Um, I hate to tell you this. <laughs> There'll be sometimes you're like, no, you're not mine. And, uh, and that, yes, I, I want you. That's not how it works. But faith without works is dead because there is a world out here that is looking for are you truly saved? And the only way that we can step in and show people that we are saved is by our works. We don't live a good life to prove to God. He already knows we're saved. But this world out here is looking for something different, and we can be a dead church. We're saved, but we can be dead if we don't understand this work is very, very important. So then he comes to verse number two, and then he tells us in verse number two, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Can you give, Brother John, can you give me a little bit more of this right here? Uh, so stand thou here or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourself and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now, now, church, this is where it separates a church that is alive from a church that is dead. A church that is alive and the truest test of our faith is when somebody walks through that back door. And when somebody comes into our church the Bible is saying here in this passage that if through the door comes somebody in goodly apparel, and then there come in also a poor man in vile arraignment. So the Greek connotation here is, is they're both coming at the same time. The truest test of our heart is when you and I decide our reaction based on how they're dressed. And if all of a sudden we get more excited about people who are dressed better, and they obviously are people of means, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we are so glad God sent you this way, versus somebody that has nothing in this world, but they're looking for God. Then the Bible says ye are partial. Now go back and look at verse number one. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. So what he's saying is don't claim Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only. For God so loved the what? World. This was the bad of the world, the good of the world, but all the world was in darkness. The key to a church that is alive is a church that does not respect people based on what you see. And we do not get excited more about rich people than we do poor people because there are churches all over 
that if somebody came in to this house, if somebody came into this house, and, and, and they, or somebody came into the average church, I should say, and they were in vile raiment. They, obviously, they, they didn't have anything. Then there are some churches that would go, oh, oh, glad, glad, glad you're here. They would tolerate them rather than being excited about them. Brother Hicks and I live in a community out here called Warren City. We're one confused street. We're Warren City, water, Glade water taxes. What else are we got one more? Who, who knows? But the other day, I was cutting back through the woods, and here come a truck. And uh, the guy rolled down. It was the mayor of our city. And, uh, and I said, hey, just, just good, good man. And I said, uh, hey, well, I'm Pastor Gray. I live just on the other side of this patch of woods right here. And he goes, yes, sir, I, I, know, I know where you live. And, uh, and I said, uh, so you're our mayor. He goes, yeah. He said, but I'm also a pastor. And I said, you are? I said, wow, a mayor and a pastor? I don't envy your job at all. Do you know where he pastors at? He pastors a church over here off of 42. And, um, and, and then he said, yeah, our church sort of loves the people of our society that nobody else wants to love. And I said, isn't that what all churches are supposed to do? He goes, Pastor, yeah, but we both get it, don't we? And I said, I do. Never let it be said about our church that somebody could come into this building on a Sunday and we would go, oh, 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 look at them. Look, look, did you see the kind of car they drove? Did you see? Oh, look at them. No, that's the reason we have these vans out here and that's the reason we have these shuttle buses out here because it is our job to go out into the highways and hedges and bring people in and then you and I have been blessed. But what James is trying to tell them is, look, you can't live your life according, you cannot do this according to who walks through. You have to be excited about anybody that walks through and you don't use the rich people to get in fact, if you'll look in, in verse number um, uh, four, are you then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world? What's this next phrase, please? Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath appointed, which he hath promised to them that love him. Do you know what God's looking for? Those who are poor of this world, and the key here is rich in faith. He's not asking us to give away everything. You know what he's asking us to do? Realize we didn't have anything without him, and now we just want, we just, we're rich in faith. I want to know. I have a hunger. I'm thirsting after righteousness. You know, the, 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 the two gentlemen that I used, uh, Joseph, Sunday morning that I used, um, I wish every one of us could sit down and just listen to a story. We went out to McDonald's, and I sat down when he first started coming and got saved. And, and I said, Joseph, what's your story? He started telling me a story, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, man. You, you've lived a rough life. And he said this, yes, but I found Christ, and I found a church. You know what I said to myself? What better two things can you find? 
and, and understand that this is what God needs to do. So God knows there needs to be assembly that is not going to cater and it's not going to reject. So then we come down to verse number six, but you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name? And here's the phrase, we're gonna review it, by the which ye are what? Called. That little phrase right there is, is, is indicative of back here in the book of Acts to where people who were Christ followers were called people of that way or the way. And you know when somebody is too rich for an assembly is because they start making light of oh, y'all are just that way. Well, you know, you just, you poor people. You know, there are times that as I'm preaching, <clears throat> I can tell when somebody's getting ready to leave our church, and it's sad and it breaks my heart. And one of the first indicators is they take a posture of superiority during preaching, and it's almost as if, well, look at, look at these poor people. They've got their psalm books, and they're singing, and they're singing out. And poor pastor, he only preaches from the King James, and he really can't get any deeper than... John 3, 16, and ah, poor pastor. Hey, listen to this. If I have to go deeper than John 3, 16 and be a snob, I don't want to go deeper than John 3, 16. Church is not about how intelligent we can make ourselves. Church is about the assembly. Church is about, it doesn't matter how you come in, because all of us, in comparison with him, are poor, vile wretched sinners and the best way you keep a church where it needs to be is the leadership and the members need to be all about no 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 you we, we go shake their hand why because they're here because they're here uh, it's sunday I'm, I'm still getting a kick out of sunday we held our five-day bible clubs um first time that we we've done this and um and 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 this group got in the boys and girls clubs in our city. I got, I got 13 years ago, 13 years ago, I tried to get in. And 13 years ago, I couldn't get in. I went down to the boys and girls clubs in our city and said, look, I'm Pastor Gray, Pastor of the Longview Baptist Temple. Can I get in here? Can I, can I just get in here? And they're like, no. I went back the next time. No. I said, I'm going to start praying and I'm just going to start praying. The, the, the five-day Bible club people, the, the, a couple of our teenagers, they got into the Boys and Girls Club, and they're going to be in there every week this summer. And I could go back to my prayer list, and I get to mark that off my prayer list. And I'm going down to the Boys and Girls Club. I'm walking around, go ha 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 ha. And uh, uh, so, so, but, but then Sunday, um, a young lady showed up. Her name's Cece, and uh, and and I'm sitting there, and one of the Collins girls said, "Hey, Pastor, I want you to meet a new teenager, Cece." And she's standing there, and. And I'm like, I am so glad you are here. But you know what's amazing, more amazing than that? When I walked away, a couple of our teenagers stepped up and said, your name's Cece? We're glad you're here. If we can pass this down to generations below us, our church will stay healthy long after we're gone. If everybody would understand, this is not your house. This is not my house. You and I, 
we, we have locks on the doors. We have security systems up. We, 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 we have dogs out in the perimeters walking at night. We have machine guns on top of the house. And you come through my driveway, you better have a good reason to be there. And if I don't like you, I'm not opening the door. I get that. I Be partial at your house. But this isn't your house. And isn't it crazy that a lot of people think, well, I've given so much money to the church. I am entitled nobody's entitled, and you're not getting a refund, but nobody's entitled. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how much you and I have given to the church, guess who's given more? We have money invested. Jesus has his blood invested. So he's trying to help us understand with this first third, if you will, of James chapter 2, he's trying to help us to understand the importance of not being partial to people who come to the assembly. Then we, we flip, if you will, and then go to verse number 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. Now he's trying to help us understand how we initially treat people who come to church is how we eventually will treat people we go to church with. It is amazing to me, and I'm going to make a very bold statement here. It is amazing to me that the church members who cause the most problems inside a church are the church members who don't accept people readily when they walk through the door. Because all we're doing is, is that if any church member is like, well, I don't think they ought to be here, then guess what they start doing to the people they go to church with? Well, well, I don't think they ought to be here, and I don't think they ought to be here, and I don't think they ought to be here. You know how you keep the church healthy? You keep the church healthy where everybody has an understanding that, that I'm not going to play partiality with anybody who walks through the door. Nobody right now is any bigger. Brother Colton called me. Brother Colton called me this, the, today. He said, Pastor, you've got a couple of moments, and uh, there's a gentleman that's been coming, and, and he told me something that is like, oh, no, sir. No, sir, I don't want that man to be under any illusion that this pastor doesn't love him. And that's been, ever since our conversation has been like, I got to get to him because I, I need him to know this. He doesn't tithe to our church. He doesn't participate in any ministries of our church. But he's very important to me. And here's why. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And if everybody can adopt this, then what's going to happen is it's transferable. The thing that grieves me with youth workers is that they start having a pet select group of teenagers, and this is the only people that they're friends with. This is wrong because this is partiality. Now, they may attract, but they should not be bound. It should be going out, gathering more people, getting more people to come in. So now we transition to verse number Eight, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, what is that? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as a transgressor. This was the last thing we talked about, and I appreciate Brother Mann and Brother Hicks filling in for the two Wednesday nights. But when we left off last in James chapter 2, if you and I on the inside are playing this partiality game, if all of a sudden they don't come from the right family, they don't have the right job, they don't run with the right people, they don't have the right, this is not the litmus test.
for our interaction in this house. We are all children of God. We are here because this is God's house. We're in his family. This is God's house. Our interaction with each other cannot be partiality. Now, I understand that maybe outside of here that, no, I, I don't want to spend time. But when we get to this house, we have to drop all partiality. South Africa, when I was there, it opened my eyes. And some of the people in the church that we established over there years ago, they still watch. And, and Brother Dilly and Miss Suzanne, and uh, just good friends there in South Africa. We were in church. And in South Africa, there's three, there's three groups of people. There are the whites, there are the blacks, and then there are the coloreds. They are three distinct groups, and these are the names they go by. Outside, because of the apartheid, they, they, they still, the older generation there in South Africa, they still live with this segregation in this apartheid. They, they just do. So when they come to church, so, so we established this church, and, um, and, and uh, we went over, and I went to everybody's house and visited them before we chartered and we baptized and so I was in the house of blacks, I was in the house of coloreds, and I was in the house of whites. These are the classifications there in South Africa. And, um, and I'm trying to understand the culture. I'm trying to understand the apartheid. I'm trying to understand the social, economic, racial. I'm trying to understand the dynamics of what, what is this country all about. When we came to the house of God, it was like a melting pot. And, and, and even Vili, which is old Dutch South African, and, and, and I said, Willie, you, um, so you don't have a prejudice bone in your body. Because, Willie, I saw you interacting with blacks and colors, and colors are the mixture of the blacks and whites. And this is, the, this is that race called the colors. And I said, man, you look like you loved everybody. This is what he told me. He said, Pastor Gray, he said, outside of this assembly, it's very hard to live that way. But in this assembly, it's nice to live this way. And I'm hoping that this spills over into our country. This is the only hope to take away the junk that's going on in the world. Because people don't fit in at school. People don't fit in in their work. People don't fit in different places. Do you know where they need to know? There is the house of God that you can fit into. Now, we don't put up with junk. We're not talking about junk. We're talking about people that, that are just trying to better themselves, trying to get where they need to be. So now we come down to the fact that there's the royal law and that this law, convinced of the law as transgressors. If we are partial, and we're fixing to go to verse number 10 through 13, if we are partial, then we are criminals. We have created a society of criminals because once you pull back in your excitement, if you want a true test, become a greeter. God bless the greeters. God bless. Miss Maxwell, Brother Maxwell, you would have to agree that you get to see people come through that door and that's, when, that's why I appreciate these two and I appreciate Coach and Miss Holland and I appreciate the greeters that are out there because as they stand there, they get to see them get out of their car. They get to see them get off the shuttle bus. They get to see them come out, and they get to see them walk through that door. And then all of the sudden, there's a non-partiality, and I have seen God 
do some amazing things in people's lives because this assembly has to stay this way. I can't say it enough. I'll keep saying it over and over again. If we ever become bigoted in our opinion of people that come through the door, if we start classifying people to where, no, no, we just, we, you know, you're really not our church's type. That's the first type that's not our church's type. <laughs> so if you're a Pharisee, go someplace else. But this is what makes church exciting. So now let's talk about, if you will, the, the, now we come to verse number 10, 11, 12, and 13. In verse number 10, it says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law. We're going to talk about the whole law right now. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in what, please, one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou hast become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now, if you would, kind of look back to verse number 8. This is that law of liberty, that if ye fulfill the royal law. So how we live as a church is very important. So go back to verse 12. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that he that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. These verses right there are huge. How can a church sustain itself in generation after generation after generation with human beings that go to church, and the more we find out about each other, is it not true that sometimes it's like, I need to find another church? How come we can't exist in a James 2 assembly? The only way that we don't exist, it all depends. Are you operating by the whole law or are you operating by the royal law? Because if somebody has to operate within the whole law, then if you would, let's, let's walk through the verses. Verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Living according to the whole law is waiting for an offense to happen so that you can write people off. Because if you've, if you've made one mistake, oh, oh, I'm writing you off. A church can't live that way. Because at one point, you're, everybody's going to make a mistake. The pastor's going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. Everybody is. So when you come to church, there can't be this pressure of perfection. Because everybody's going to make a mistake. And this is what he's saying. Whosoever keepeth the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Let, let me just tell you that in verse number 11, for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. If you want to write out beside these two verses, I wrote these in my study Bible. It's time to take everybody off trial. It's time to take everybody off trial. Isn't it amazing that bad sin is the sin we are not currently doing? <laughs> and when you and I know each other, it's like, well, I saw their Facebook page, and I, I saw their social media. I saw them in public, and, and we come back, running back to the church house, and we're like, oh, can you believe they did? Newsflash, can you believe we all did? 
So we're either going to live with each other on this. You got to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, well, you know, just, you're, you're, you know, can you believe? It's almost like you keep a scorecard. I don't want to, we don't want to live in a church this way because that's the whole law. Nobody can live up to this. And then when you come to verse number, verse number 11 and verse number 12, it says this, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of what? Liberty. When you and I are holding people to a standard that they can't live to. Now, I'm, again, please know this. I'm not talking about giving a free pass on wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving back to everybody their individual life and let's all live for Christ the best we can. But when we come into church, the gossip has got to stop. The, 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 don't, don't listen to people when they say, did you hear about so-and-so church member? You just simply say, I don't, no, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. The other day, I don't want to hear about it. Now, if somebody's in leadership and they're messing up, I, I have to address it. Yes. But I can't tell you how many times I've had to repent because it's like, why am I involved in this conversation? I don't even want to be involved in this conversation. Our church can't live according to the whole law. So then it says in verse number 12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. This law of liberty is, is a law to where now we live on this one premise. If you would, go back to the beginning of James chapter 2. And if you would, look at the royal law in verse number 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, what is that? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what, please? Self. Go back to Leviticus chapter 19. This is where this is found at. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. It goes deeper. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. And I'm going to ask you to help our assembly become what God meant for it to become. And here it is. Look at, look at Leviticus chapter 19. And look at verse number 18. And look what it says here. Uh, let's see. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but... Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So when it's quoted partially there in the New Testament, the entire, the entire thing is this. Live according to the royal law inside the house of God. And inside the house of God, it is this. Don't hold a grudge. Don't avenge. Treat your neighbor and love your neighbor how you would want to be treated. This is the royal law. Because when we start giving everybody a break, everybody, this is how we live in this assembly. When you pass somebody and they don't treat you right, you just simply need to go, bless their heart, they're, they're probably having a bad day. But you know how much fight begins in the house of God. I, 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 I grieve over this. Sometimes I'm asked to help churches resolve conflicts. And, and when you get in the middle of a conflict, I, I just step back and I'm just going, look, Look, how come you're carrying grudges for years? Years. When, when you talk to a, a sweet grandmother that's in her 70s, and I said, ma'am, why are you so bitter? Because when I was 32 years old, ma'am, you have been carrying this all these years? That's a church that operates by the whole law. Listen, nobody wins at that point. And there may be a lot of people at church, but if there's not unity, who wants to go to a church like that? 
And that's why people need to know, if I come in and all of a sudden I make a mistake, what is this church going to be like? I'm going to give you just a sampling of a story that I have permission to use. I, I'm called by a church member one day and, and um, several years ago, and uh, they were bawling on the other end of the phone. I said, Pastor, you've got to come now. I stepped up to the door, and they opened the door, and, uh, and I said, what? What has happened? They told me the story, and then they said, Pastor, I'm going to have to leave the church. And I said to them, if our church is not big enough, to love you, then I'll leave with you. I don't know what we're going to run into. Y'all, I don't know what your kids are going to get themselves into. I don't know that those young people that walked out this right here, those young people that walked over there, I don't know what they're going to get themselves into. But I do know this. If we're always having the whole law out there and we don't let them live down maturing points, in failure, we're in trouble. And that's why he said in James chapter 2, you, the biggest proof point that you're saved is to operate by the two greatest commandments the Lord gave. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and thou shalt love thy what neighbor as thyself. And the pharisaical attitude that exists in churches need to be, be sent out. Because here's why. Because look at verse number 12 in the context, and then it spills into verse number 13 as we come to an end. In James chapter 2, verse 12, so speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be what pleased, judged. Did you see that? Do you know what the Lord's saying there? You're not perfect, and one day you will be judged. How do you want to be judged? Do you really want somebody judging you according to the whole law? Or do you want somebody judging you according to the royal law? Because you and I may have it together right now. <laughs> Y'all, listen to this. God forbid that something should happen in Bob Gray II's life. But if I live according to the whole law, then I am setting myself up to be judged by the whole law. And there is something about recovery that we're going to look at in this very next verse. The, the, this, this is why it's important that we live on the level of the royal law. Because it says, so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 7, and this is just a sampling of the Lord's attitude in different parables. But in Matthew chapter 7, he is on the mount, and, and look what it says. Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 1, probably one of, the, one of the top 10 misunderstood verses in the Bible. Look what it says. Judge not that ye be not what? Judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, look at this, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? It doesn't mean here that you don't judge. It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to go, you know, you got a mote in your eye. You, you, got, you, got, the, you got a little bitty speck, you got, you, got a, you got a little mote in your eye there, brother. It doesn't mean that. 
illustration I've used a hundred times. Guy comes running in from third base to home. He doesn't beat the tag. He's out at home plate. And the umpire has to make a call. But there's a difference between making a call according to the moat and berating the player that just because he's out, he has no business playing the game. It's like the usher going, you're out. And by the way, I'd just like to add this to you. What are you even doing playing the game? Who told you could even play baseball? You, you look stupid in your uniform. I don't even know what you think you're doing. You probably need to go be a cheerleader someplace instead of being a baseball player. Do you see what's happening? All of a sudden, we equate failure with this is who you are. You're a loser. No, they just failed. And this is the royal law. How do you want to be treated when you blow it? You know what the book says? How you want to be treated when you blow it is how you and I treat people when they blow it. The ability to see people at their worst and not have a conclusion about their value is what this is about. Absolutely, it's what it's about. And, and, and I will tell you right now, it's easy to say it when you're not in the middle of it. But church, listen to this. There may be times when we're in the middle of it. And people need to know that, no, we don't put up with the moats. But I'll tell you this much. I am not going to be that guy that judges according to the whole law. I'm going to judge according to the royal law. Because, go back to James chapter 2, and I love the Bible. Man, I love the book. So when we operate our assembly according to this way, then there is confidence that comes in verse 13. So, so look what it says here. So speak ye and so do. So live according to the royal law as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Know this, you're going to fail. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. So when you're not perfect, you want to know, I am in the right assembly. I'm in the right assembly to live life because I know when I fail that I will be judged according to the royal law, not the whole law. Because look at verse 13. For he shall have judgment without what, please? Judgment without what? Mercy. If you live according to the whole law, you're going to be judged. But if you're not having mercy on other people, then guess what people are not going to have on you? Mercy. And that's why as a pastor, I can't come to the pulpit angry. I can't live life angry. I can't live this way because at some point I too am going to be judged. And when I'm judged, if I had no mercy, then guess what I will not get? I will not get mercy. But then I'm going to tell you, that if we are, but it all starts with this, how do we feel about people who come in? Because how we initially treat people is how we internally are going to treat people. And then we'll start going, well, if the, if the vile raiment's not good enough and the goodly apparel's good enough, then that translates into this, well, well, you made a mistake and that means you're no good. And boy, they're just good people because they always do the right thing. This is not fair. This is not fair. So he said, let's live according to the royal law. Love thy neighbor as thyself, because this is how you're going to be judged. 
And those who have no mercy, because you live according to the whole law, you're not going to get any mercy. But then look at it says that, that without mercy, that has showed no mercy and mercy. Now, this one phrase to me sums up church. I love this phrase. Are you ready? And mercy rejoiceth against what? Judgment. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What it means is this. I'm going to be okay. Here's why. Because I've always had mercy on people. I don't fear judgment. It's like somebody telling me, um, you're in trouble with your father. When, I was, when, I, when you're little, especially growing up in a church and your dad's the preacher, it's like, I'm going to tell your dad. People would threaten me all the time with, I'm going to tell your dad. And I'm like, no, you ain't. Because I can get to him before you can. And there, there were many times as, as, as a, a, a 12, 13-year-old, eighth grader coming around here, that, that I'm going to tell your dad, especially when my dad wasn't too popular when we first came. I'm going to tell your dad. And I'm like, hmm. So I would go down that hallway, go into the office I now occupy, and I'd go in. He said, Bobby, what you need? I said, there's a man getting ready to come through that door, and he's getting ready to tell you something, and it's a lie. He goes, no, it's not. There's a reason why he's coming through that door. I said, okay, it's the truth, but, but I just need you to know. I didn't mean to do it. It was not the, what it seems. Dad, I'm sorry. And he goes, okay, we're good. And that man, sure enough, came through that door. and said, I need to tell you about your son. I'm sitting there going. He told him, and my dad said, yeah, he just told me. The look on that man's face was wonderful because he was like, oh, he did? Our children need to know this. If I blow it, I know the kind of judgment I'm going to get, and I won't be judged according to the whole law. I'll be judged according to mercy. We should not live in fear. The thing I hate about the perception of the pastor's office is don't let pastor find out because pastor's going to be mad. It doesn't matter if pastor's mad. I'm not God. But there are times people are like, pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I just don't want you upset with me. I don't, I don't think that this person will, will, will be too upset. But I'm walking through the auditorium. Remember the other night when I preached on suicide? I may remember the other night when I preached on suicide. Every service for the past weeks, I'll get a handshake. And it'll be like, Pastor, I made it one more week. But I came close. You know what these are? These are razor blades. And you know what she had to overcome? The fact that pastor won't judge me according to the whole law. He will judge me according to the royal law. Because if I was in that spot, I would need a pastor. That I could shake his hand. And what's funny about this is, is Sunday night, Sunday night, they were given to me another set. And then I get a text that says, can I have those back? <laughs> no. <laughs> and they were like, I thought that's what you would say. 
<laughs> but this is real living. This is real living, y'all. There are people who are hurting all over the place, and all they want to know is this. Can I get mercy? And, and could, could I attend a church that lives by the royal law? Because perfection is not required. And this is the type of assembly that people need to know if they walk through that back. Now, now it doesn't mean that we don't probably need to take time out. Years and years and years ago, I was put in charge of the, of, of the, the uh, invitation personnel. And I was in my mid-20s. And we had a gentleman that worked the altar, and he was struggling, struggling. And, uh, and I went to him, and I said, uh, are you okay? And he goes, I'm struggling, and I know that I can't be involved in these kind of things. And I said, you know, why don't you just take some time out? Take some time out and uh, go fix what you need to fix and uh, just heal yourself. Reset yourself spiritually. And he looked at me and said, so I'm not excommunicated? And I was like, no. No, just reset yourself. He subsequently has gone to heaven. But he knew he could exist in this assembly. We may have to make some adjustments, but let's operate by the royal law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Let me ask you a question. What were you like at 16? <laughs> How many right now can look back when you were 16 and go, mm, them boys are in good shape? <laughs> of course, right? So you and I always must remember that doesn't mean there's not a law. It doesn't mean that there's not things we operate by, but we operate by the royal law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And when we operate on that, in this house, when we operate on that right there, and, and a lot of times people go, well, well who's going to take care of the wrong? Who, 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 who's the policeman of the church? Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. And let's just look at as we end. Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse number 12, you know it. I can quote it, but I don't want to make you feel bad. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Look at it. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and what intents of the heart. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and look at verse number 16. In 2 Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry. No, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And look at verse 15. Look what it says here. And that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Look at the progression. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Did you notice that it just said? They went from a child to a man. They, they went from a child that had nothing to a man who's furnished with everything. How does that happen? The Word of God. The Word of God does that. 
Because the Word of God and the thing that has to be preached and pumped is the Word of God and make a judgment call at home plate as long as you don't reach further and tell everybody who doesn't live up to that judgment, you're a loser. Because that's not what it's about. And then when we operate in the assembly, so now go back to James chapter 2. And, and, and I'll end with this. In James chapter 2, because the next section of verses is where we get into, in James chapter 2, so now we understand that, that so the law of liberty, he'll be judged. Look at verse 14. For what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? The very next section, now we're getting into the hard verses. Are you ready? When we start living this way, this is our work. This is the work we do because there are a lot of saved people who live according to the whole law. Crazy thing is this, is that Christ forgave you of everything. So who are we to not forgive people of everything? Isn't that crazy? We don't want to be condemned, but we like to hold it against people. And so now he's saying this, he, he's saying this in verse number, verse number 14, for what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not worked, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, but, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? In other words, we can say all we want to. We're a loving church. We love everybody. We just want everybody to come. By the way, can you fill out that application over there? And we're going to run a credit check on you. And we're going to see exactly your pedigree. And we want to make sure. But we love everybody. Just be warmed and filled. We love you. And then on the side, well, I don't think that you're really the kind of person that we want. And by the way, you can't come back because you, you kind of tipped the scale to where you've done more wrong than good and you, you really are an embarrassment to the church. So if you can just kind of move. You know what he's saying? That kind of faith without these works that the Lord does for us, then you're dead. And, and, and I don't want to be part of a dead church, and I know you don't. And I just want to praise God that Emmanuel, and we're not a perfect church, but I sure do get a kick out of when people come to church and, and they just feel welcome. They just feel welcome. And it's like, man, you have friendly people. You know, my first thought is when somebody says, I met some of the members that go to the church you pastor. I'm like, which ones? <laughs> like, in my spirit, I'm like, who did you meet? And they're like, oh, no, no, it was good. And I'm like, praise God. <laughs> But why should I feel that way? Because all of us should be like, no, no, we, we're, we're glad you're here. It has no bearing on what I believe and the standards that I have. And, that, and, and, and by the way, I'm not talking about people that are in positions that are influencing our young people. Uh, and if I find out there's an influence, then I will take care of the influence. I'm talking about the assembly, people coming together. We're getting ready to start church. We're getting ready to love the Lord. We're getting ready to sing. We're getting ready to preach. We're getting ready. This assembly needs to be a spirit of, man, we're glad you're here. We are glad you're here. And not get up and move because, oh, did you see them? Oh, may we never become that way. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. 
please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.